0: the latest on the world game on On Sport 24-7. This is 442 Insider.
1: Hello again and welcome to 442 Insider. This is the program where we come here to the offices of the world famous magazine known in many parts of the world as the monthly Bible of the world game. We come here to meet the people who produce this Australian version of 442 The publisher, the editorial chief, the assistant editors, their leading journalists and their writers to discuss a week in football in Australia and around the world. Delighted to welcome sitting around the table today, the editor-in-chief, Paul Hansford, the deputy editor, Trevor Trahane, and the chief writer and journalist, Aidan Ormond. Good morning, gentlemen, or welcome to the programme. What a crazy week in football I think, Paul, you have to start with all of the things that are on the menu because there's a lot on the menu to discuss today.
2: Yeah, we're going to be talking about UEFA uh, Champions League, uh, the two semi semi-final first legs. Uh, we're going to have a look at um, the lighter side of the game. Also be looking at um, whether or not... Australia has any world-class what we can term as world-class footballers in the game at the moment but we'll also be looking at some of the Australian news that's uh, shown up on our website Um, we're looking at uh, the FFA revealing the new season draw all the new fixtures um, ben Buckley has also come out defending the switch of the uh, opening uh, round derby between Queensland Raw and Gold Coast United Aye. we've also got um, Robbie Fowler making his debut in Sydney in a uh, slightly strange setting uh, not not <laughs> uh, usually seen and also we've got uh, Scott Chipperfield putting d- to bed some of the rumours that he w- might be returning to the A-League by re- re-signing with FC Basel uh, that famous herb club mm. in Switzerland
1: <laughs> yeah the, the The uh, stories. Some of the stories are saying he's going to come, and other stories are saying he's not going to come. Okay, let's start with them, with the the, uh, UEFA Champions League roundup. We saw we saw the two games. I I have to admit that I said on the radio show that I thought the first game was very boring because Chelsea didn't come to uh, to play; they came to stop Barcelona from playing. Was I right?
2: Yeah, I I would say so. I'm not sure. It wasn't a game for the purists. I think obviously people were expecting Barcelona to come out and play their brand of football and and almost expecting Chelsea to kind of sit back and let them do it. But Mm. this is a team coached by Gus Hiddink, who we all know as a tactical mastermind from his time with Australia. And uh, I think the game played out exactly the way that if you knew the coaches and the teams, it would because Gus Hiddink is not going to let a team tactically overrun a side that he looks after and uh, you know it wasn't one to watch for the purists but in the end it, it, it happened
1: the way I thought it would yeah, but what was strange Paul about that is that we all believe that Husidic was an attacking uh, coach here he saw, showed another side
2: uh, well some might argue with uh, with that Assertion If you look at the last 20 minutes against Italy when they were (laughs) down to 10 men and Australia could have gone for the jugular, you know, but you would have hoped that Chelsea with the team with the players that they have might have gone on and and tried to attack. I mean, Drogba had a fantastic chance Mm. saved by Valdez, uh, a couple of uh, a double save, Um, but yeah, I mean, tactically. You know they could have given some more, but it's what you expect from Chelsea in these kind of
1: games at the moment. Trevor Trahan, the deputy editor, what what was your uh, take on on the game?
3: Exactly what I uh, suspected. Chelsea were going to do, and you can't really blame them, can you? And you look at the players. Barcelona have got those uh, free musketeers as they are up front, Henri, and Messi. If they're going to be coming at you Mm. at home, if you give them any space or you don't kick them up in the air like Chelsea did, they're going to punish you. Yeah, and because it's a two-legged thing and they've got the advantage to take them back to Stamford Bridge and win there, you know you can't blame. Chelsea for what they did it wasn't great to watch but that's the way it goes Aidan
1: were you surprised that they, they, they were playing like we saw Wimbledon play long ago like a long ball from Peter checking and they're kicking it over everything down to down to Drogba
4: no it wasn't I mean it's all about the result um, it just, just goes to show you Hiddink's ability to change the way he wants to play this is all about getting a result uh, and that's what they got. And, and I think it's also interesting that the best player on the park was an Englishman. I thought John Terry was, for me, the man of the match. I hear that very really yeah. often. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't, exactly. You don't often hear that in the, in <laughs> yeah. the yeah. UEFA yeah. Champions League. I think he was the man of the match. And I think it just goes to show you, in those situations, you always want a, a strong English defender, I think. And I think it, we, it, it was proved right. But look, they got exactly the result that they needed. Mm. They can, uh, And it's all about the result at this stage. I mean, you look at past European Champions League semis, and it's always been very tight in the first leg you. You know, you can th- you can lose it in that first leg. So, um, um, right. I fancy them to go through.
1: You think you think Chelsea? Think all so. three of you think Chelsea will, will make it?
4: I think with hitting, Pog? I think with hitting, they can go through. Yeah, it's really it. really close to call. I, I still
3: think they've definitely obviously got goals in them, and away the goals are going to mean so much. Oh, no, I still think Barca will go through. Paul? Yeah,
2: I think I said Barca last time, so I yeah, think some think... of our listeners will probably rewind and find out what I said and, and, <laughs> and criticise me. So I'll uh, I'll stick to Barca and say that you know, yeah, but yeah, looking at the way Hitting tactically played the first leg, it, right. it, it seems to have evened out a little bit. I think.
1: What, what about the second game, the second uh, semi-final, Manchester United and Arsenal? Is one goal enough for Manchester United going down to London?
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting to see whether or not you know United will go to Arsenal and do a Chelsea, you know, pack that mm, midfield and try yeah. and stifle them. They 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 didn't they didn't do that in this game, but they had a very strong midfield. I think Carrick, Anderson, and Fletcher were the difference in in the game in in the first leg. But yeah, the question is is whether one goal will be enough. If anyone's gonna come out and play some flamboyant football and score goals to overturn a one goal lead, it's going to be Arsenal
1: at home yeah, in I the know. Emirates. And I suppose, Trevor, the the, uh, situation with Sir Alec is, he he would say to the team, grab an early goal and we can sit back and an away goal cushion.
3: I think Fergie always fancies his team to score at some point. I think one of the reasons that Man U are about to win the title and Liverpool aren't is the amount of nil-nil draws Liverpool have had throughout the season. And Man U don't have as many of them. They always seem to just grab that one goal they need and it's all those one-nil results that are going to win it for them. I think, again, they'll go to the Emirates and at some point of the 90 minutes they're going to
2: score and that's going to make it really hard for Arsenal it's been said before just to go to that point that you mentioned is that Fergie seems to back his players um, right. more than say Rafa Benitez who, who mm. you know who's you never get that sense that he really believes in them he's always tinkering around and and as you said Fergie always really backs his players trusts in them yeah, you know, the trusts word. in his Trust, formation yeah. Yeah. and um, you know I think that that is such a big factor in the game at the moment that, that they you know that this one-goal lead might might be enough, and if they nick another one at the Emirates early, then that could be, could be the end of it.
1: Did so, you agree, yeah. so and you're thinking it's going to be a, a Chelsea-Man United final?
4: Well, yeah, I mean, I'm backing Chelsea in the other one. I just think w- with Arsenal, I think with the way Ashaven is playing lately, you never quite know what's going to happen. Mm. Um, but he can't the, play in the yeah, in the Champions play, League because yeah, he played right. for right, okay. uh, Moscow. Yeah. Um, well, then, then they're not going to yeah. win.
1: You think you think it'd be Chelsea? Well, Man, I, th- I think Man
4: United are just so used to those situations, those pressure situations. To them, it's normal. You know, yeah. people talk about pressure. To them, that is absolutely par for the course. Playing in a Champions League semi-final, playing in a cup final, whatever, trying to win the league. It's it's just it, that's their a-game.
1: It's interesting that uh, Paul has just mentioned a word, and it's a, a very interesting word. You mentioned the word trust, and and Sir Alex does trust his players, and and. Uh, I, I spoke to a, a journalist in, in England at the weekend and he was saying that that is what has happened at Aston Villa that the other players don't even trust each other anymore and that's why they've fallen off the log yeah. so it's about it's about the word trust I
2: don't think there's enough players in Aston Villa for them to trust each other there's only about like nine of them isn't there but
1: Martin O'Neill please ring him <laughs>
2: Yeah, but but you know like when you look at United they've been together for such a long time mm. um, Ferguson buys players that fits into his mindset and his system it's not just buying a star player but I'd be interested to see what the other guys think about the, the possible loss of Rio Ferdinand he's said to have like broken a rib which could mm. mean that he's out for the the rest of the season not just the Champions right. League and you know whether that will be a factor in the in the next in the next leg uh, another, yeah.
3: thing, uh, another thing I was just going to say on, on Barca and Man U, that they've both got players in their teams that can win it in a moment for example that yeah. Ronaldo goal at Porto mm. when he shot from you know, yep. 50 yards out or whatever ridiculous amount out he was they've got them throughout their team so just that that's all they need you know one individual moment of brilliance that's the away goal and they ok
1: the, the three of you have, have nearly convinced me and, and convinced all our listeners that uh, Manchester United are going to beat Arsenal in London but he is convinced that Chelsea can beat Barcelona or uh, as you're thinking Paul it might go down to penalties yeah who'd win it if, if it went to penalties I think if
2: John Terry wasn't taking a kick, it (laughs) might be Chelsea. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be able to pick on penalties, you know, like home home side advantage,
4: Peter Cech's a good goalkeeper, Valdez, you know, I I don't know. Mm. You're right. I mean, penalties penalties are a lottery. I just think that when it comes to Hiddink versus Pep Guardiola, I I would back Hiddink every day of the week. I think he's too experienced. I think he's got... He's got, a, he's got a plan for how he wants to play in the first leg and he's got a plan for the second leg. He knows what's going to happen. He's got plan A and plan B. I just think the hitting factor is the one that, that will
1: get them over the line in the end. All right, we've we've uh, we've discussed the uh, the UEFA, uh, Chelsea, Manchester United, Arsenal, whoever it's, uh, it's going to be. Um, we shall take a quick break here because uh, I want to concentrate on Australian football when we come back.
0: There's Big Wednesday. Thank God it's Friday, but nothing beats Super Saturday. Join the team here at Sport 24-7 every Saturday for a huge day of fun and entertainment. Wet your line with Dave Butfield and Hooked on Fishing. Talking League tackles the big issues in the game. Get behind the wheel with me, Joel Helms and fans of the round ball game can kick a goal with 442 Insider and World Football Watch. It's Super Saturday every Saturday at Sport 24-7.
5: Don't miss the new issue of 442, Australia's number one football magazine. This month, we chat exclusively with Mark Schwartzer, a Australia's first choice keeper about life at Fulham and why he's not taking World Cup qualification for granted. We go one-on-one with Socceroos assistant coach Graham Arnold in a remarkably candid interview about where we came up short at the Asian Cup and the Olympics and we ask overseas fans what they think of their Aussie players. Exclusive interviews with Karka, Arsharvan and a look into Boca Juniors' youth system rounds off another issue no football fan should be without. On sale at all good news agents or head to au.442.com to subscribe and to get it delivered to your door if it's in the game it's in 442
0: the latest on the world game on sport 24-7 this is 442 Insider
1: Okay, welcome back. We're inside uh, 442 with the uh, Editor-in-Chief, Paul Hansford, with the Deputy Editor, Trevor Trehane, and the uh, Chief Writer and Journalist, Aidan Ormond. Let's turn to Australian soccer um, and Australian football, let me correct myself, Australian football. the, the recent fixture list came out. Did you have time to have a look at it and what did you think? Paul? Oh, we, we poured over it mm. for literally minutes. <laughs> minutes. Um, <it> was minutes. <laughs> a
2: fascinating uh, list of uh, games. I mean, w- what's interesting is there's going to be 51 more games uh, this right. season with the addition of the two new teams, Gold Coast United and Queensland Fury what I find very interesting is that the number of teams involved in the final series has now gone up to six. Yeah. So six out of ten. 60% uh, using the, my mathematic dexterity. That's mm-hmm. right. Um, yeah, I think so. And uh, whereas last time it was 40% with the eight teams. Um, was mm. it? No. Yeah. 40%. Yeah. 40, 40 yeah. No. 50%. No. No, 50 50 percent. Percent. <laughs> I'm a, batting 50% on my maths <laughs> now. So. I, want to ask this ma-
1: <laughs> I want to ask this man for a race. Yeah. <laughs> definitely and I'm in
2: charge of the budgets. there's a worry um but what that that just fascinates me that 60 percent of the teams will be in with a chance of winning the grand final which yeah. I just think is yeah. stupid They're like you, you you want to reward the teams for playing well I know we Aiden and I discussed it just before and he, he put the argument the other way but I just think to give you know six out of ten teams mm. a chance to compete for the grand final just isn't, yeah.
4: it's not football Trevor. What do you think, Aidan? You, didn't you mm. say, you, you you argued the other way? Or? Well, no, I'm just I'm just putting my, my I'm just going to argue on the FFA's point of view, which which is I, I think that they look at the finals as an opportunity to maximise the biggest games of the right. season. And also, if you had four out of ten teams in the finals, it would mean six teams wouldn't be playing finals football, which effectively means that if they're not playing in the ACL, a team that, let's say, last season was Newcastle, or let's say Perth Glory, mm. that means that they finish in January, February, and they're not playing again till August. Yeah. So I think that I'm I'm just playing devil, devil's yeah. advocate here, and uh, well, I reckon I'll, that that's one of the reasons why they're they're looking at a six team. Um,
1: but I'll series. I'll tell you what's interesting about it. It means that the the finals, uh, the semi-finals, and the grand final is going to be played at the end of March, and you you have to take into consideration the other codes, like you have AFL in uh, in Melbourne, and um, if you had like for instance since uh, this last season um, or the present season you have had Geelong in the final you'd have had big crowds at the MCG and um, if you have a grand final and, and uh, you have Melbourne victory in the grand final uh, you'll have all these clashes of where the crowd are going to go and I just think you know it's it, it's uh, okay but um, I think they'll have to work it all out I th- it's I think, not foregone conclusion that everything's going to be ripe
3: On that top six thing I think it favours the two new teams Gold Coast and North Quinterfield in the reason why I say that is because it's going to take them a while to find their feet sure. and to gel and to work as a unit. So, if say, you know, they hit their straps halfway through the season, then, you know, or even later in the season, they can creep into the finals. And then, if they've got the momentum with them, which is often the case with those playoffs, is whoever's playing well going into the last set of games, then you could see one of those two, you know, mm. p-
4: pip them at the last. I think also yeah. when they're talking about expanding the A League the following season to 12, I think that they'll stick with the six team format. Mm. Uh, so, I think they're looking at it from a point of view of expansion. For two yeah. more teams as well, because I, I wouldn't imagine they would then have an eight-team finals series, yeah. right. which sort of harks back to a bizarre situation about nine or ten years ago when the the old National League had a what was called a championship series, mm. which um, uh, effectively ran like a small league, um, which had a lot of people scratching their heads as saying, well, wh- why is this going so long?
1: Yeah. What, what about what about the derby and the switching of of uh, the the game, for instance, with the the, the Gold Coast team? And the Brisbane team, um, do you think there was something in that? Well, are we the, reading too the, much into it?
2: I don't know. That one of the arguments is, is they're looking to try and give uh, Brisbane Roar a kind of a bit of a payday, you know, early right. on in the season to try and help them. Um, ben Buckley's come out and said that he, he's had uh, some discussions with Clive Palmer, the uh, owner of uh, Gold, Coast, Gold Coast, who obviously wasn't happy about it being moved from his stadium. Um, They're hoping it'll be a sellout, although Brisbane haven't really had a history of um, selling out the stadium that they play in. I mean, obviously, it will be the kind of marquee game for them. Opening of the season, local derby, you'd hope that they'd uh, sell it out, but putting all their cards out really early if, it, you know, if, if Brisbane only get like 25,000 or even 30,000. The 30,000 crowd mm. is great but um, if that's, if that's going to be the high point of their
4: season for the first game, it can only right. be downhill from then from on. There on yeah. I, there's no way that they'll sell out Suncorp for yeah. this game. You can't sell out 52,000 tickets for Brisbane Raw versus Gold Coast. It's just not going to happen. Um, you, 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 and also, you,
1: you might be surprised. The, the, the people and the Gold Coast are pretty passionate
4: yeah, um, I, I just don't think there's enough of them to go... I don't think they're going to bring 20,000 fans to the Suncorp. I just I just can't see
3: that. I, I, th- I think that switch suited Gold Coast United. And the reason is... Because, you know, there's certain games they're going to look for the season and go, well, that's going to sell out for us. And mm. one of them was going to be their first game. Everyone's going to, they're going to sell out for their first ever game. Another one, they're going to sell out for their Queensland Raw one. Mm. So they've got two of their guaranteed sellouts on one fixture. So that was probably frustrating for them. So the switch now means that they're, you know, they're going to have a higher... Right, let,
1: let, me, let me take an, an, another step, not just to that, that, that to Derby, but the switch of, of the uh, Sydney game, for instance, uh, you know, God is going to play at the SCG Robbie Fowler
2: yeah yeah that's uh, it's an interesting one that they've um, announced that the the, the venue for that first game of of Fury down in Sydney with Robbie Fowler playing is going to be at the SCG why is Um, that I don't Actually, no. Does anyone know oh, why? The no. There's a
4: reason. It, there's a, an issue with the availability of the SFS on that particular weekend, mm-hmm. um, and given that the last game on the SCG is an AFL game two weeks prior, they figure that well, if if the SFS mm. wasn't available or it was it was compromised by a rugby league game, they could play it on that surface that would have two weeks free mm. to prepare. And also, it's an iconic stadium. It's right next door to their home ground, and certainly much better than just taking to Parramatta Stadium. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's an iconic status to that stadium, and I think the surface should be okay.
2: And
5: mm. That's the,
4: one of the issues that I had with
2: with the whole with the quotes that came out from it as well. Um, Archie Fraser, um, guy in charge of the A-League, now has come out and said, you know, the easy option would have been to move the clash to Parramatta, which just seems really strange to me. If you're trying to build a fan base um, of Sydney mm. FC fans, eastern suburbs, I understand that obviously there's a lot of Western Sydney football fans who don't yeah. have a team to support, have to travel a long way to see Sydney. Sure. But but you're, you're trying to build a fan base and a loyalty. <laughs> Why would you move a team all the way over? There just for one game. You don't see Fulham go and play at West Ham. I know that we're a growing league, and and, but I think that was
4: a throw. I mean, I did that interview, and and he he's actually new in the job, and he's actually from Melbourne as well. Yeah. Um, And he's Scottish. He's Scottish. He's actually used to play for Greenock Morton. Um, That's right. In fact, uh, our our editor online, uh, I think, was a journalist at the time that he was playing for Greenock Morton. I'll even tell
1: you a worse one. Well, I'm told we're giants in Scottish football. When I trained, when I trained at Arsenal, he was in the under sixteen team at Arsenal. Archie Fraser yeah. well, there you go I trained at Arsenal with uh, under Don Howe and Terry Neal and uh, he was over the fence uh, playing, for, uh, playing for the was under he any 16 good? yeah he was a good player yeah,
4: yeah. well he's, he's obviously an, an administrator now but he's very new to the job and I think that quote about Parramatta Stadium was probably somebody who didn't quite understand Sydney market he's based in Melbourne mm-hmm. he's now come up to Sydney obviously and he, he's uh, spent time in Queensland so I, I do think that that comment is probably from somebody who doesn't quite understand the Sydney market
0: yep. mm. I'm not
4: batting for him I'm just, I'm uh, just, fair just enough. Yeah. speculating
3: let's hope Robbie's fit for that game as well because everyone's billing it Robbie Fowler at the cricket ground if he's not there then it's just yeah. those other guys that play for I'll tell you what we'll go to
2: Hafe, uh, Harry's Cafe de Wheels if you want to see Robbie uh, down at um, Sydney <laughs> if he's down oh, yeah. there you know the old pie shop
1: yeah. Yeah. Could yeah. we see him down in Willamaloo <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the funny thing is that Aiden, you, you and I uh, know a, li- a little bit about the uh, about the draw um, because we, we were there and and we he- we heard them uh, talk about the draw. But um, the, the strange thing is they didn't have a, a complete answer to why the game was going to take place at the SCG. But my only worry walking away from that uh, press conference and the launch was, uh, and I'm, I don't think uh, the, all of you guys will think the same thing now. And um, I thought, what happens if uh, Fowler's team? Are are a complete uh, duck's egg and who's going to turn up and that's a big stadium because you and I go to see yeah, the Swans yeah, play yeah. and like this it's yeah. a big stadium you
4: need, you need 25,000 yeah, there minimum in there. to and make like, it feel practical.
1: if these guys are a glugger uh, the, the North Queensland Fury are they a glogger, how many people are going to turn up to see Sydney I think Sydney? it will
2: all be in the marketing though I think if yeah. they can market Robbie Fowler there, there's enough kind of as, as we all know in this podcast there's enough English people or people who you know, know of Robbie Fowler
1: that they mm. should be able to get enough people in to, mm. see, to see that game. All right, we're, we're, we're coming up to halftime. The halftime whistle is going to go. The only thing is, I think we around the table here should keep our fingers crossed that he's not injured and he does actually play and turn up at the SCG. We'll take a break because the oranges are going to be distributed at halftime. We'll be back in a moment.
0: Hi, I'm Joel Helms. If you love rugby league, there's only one place to hit on Saturday mornings and that's right here. Sport 24-7. Join Greg Beekron to me for a look at the latest issues in the game. We talk to the players and coaches, analyse the Friday night action and preview the balance of the round. Along the way, we have plenty of fun and we love to hear from you as well. Give us a call on the open line every Saturday morning between 10am and 12pm Eastern Standard Time. It's Talking League on Sport 24-7. Each year, around 1,600 people die on Australian roads and for every one of these people, many more are seriously injured. But these statistics shouldn't be seen as inevitable. There is something you can do. Friday the 22nd of May is Fatality Free Friday and we want your support to help reduce road trauma. Our aim is for zero road deaths on Australian roads for just one day. Simply visit www.fatalityfreefriday.com to take the pledge and see how you can be involved. Attention all sporting memorabilia collectors. If you're looking for top quality, authentic memorabilia to add to your collection or as a personal or corporate gift, memorabiliaonline.com.au is your answer. Be it cricket, Aussie rules, legal union, horse racing, boxing, motorsports. In fact, most popular sports. Go to memorabiliaonline.com.au and have a browse around. All products are guaranteed authentic with prices to suit all budgets. memorabiliaonline.com.au The latest on the world game on Sport twenty four seven. This is four four two Insider.
1: Okay, it's halftime here at four four two Insider, and uh, at the halftime we distributed we distribute oranges. So, what's out of it? Well, I, I've, I've got a mandarin. Got
4: I think it's not mm-hmm. quite an orange, but uh, look, I think it's interesting. I got I got an email the other day uh, concerning Dirty Dick Advocare. And um, I don't know whether you remember, but uh, he was going to be the soccer room coach. That's right. Until yeah. he reneged, yeah. dirty Dick style. Right. Um, and my understanding is that uh, the FFA are still trying to seek compensation. I know it's not hilarious, but I'm yeah. saying is that they're still chasing the Russians for their money uh, for their compensation. Um, and the compensation is like three, four, five million dollars. But. Yeah, not it's usually that, the
2: other way around, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Russians
4: chasing you. Yeah, right. yeah. So the Russia. So apparently it's with FIFA these days, and I've actually emailed FIFA about this to find out well, we, where exactly
1: is this going. Uh, you don't ever mention money to FIFA; they never, they'll never give you an answer. <laughs> well, That's we, the last we, we, straw. We, we, we will mention. find out That
4: was <laughs> the last straw because I, I didn't fancy <laughs> yeah. ringing uh,
1: Moscow and asking for Vladimir. But I'll, I'll tell you what my, you might have a leeway there is that the new man, of course, who won Sydney FC is a Russian, so maybe knock at his door and see if you can get some. I think some. This,
2: this could be the end of the podcast. With, um, <laughs> with Aidan asking FIFA about money, and me just mentioning Russians
1: coming after FIFA. Yeah, yeah, well, it's, it's just going to be me next week. <laughs> yeah. Trevor, what sort of an orange did you get?
3: Uh, well, uh, an orange from Germany um, about Cottbus who have refunded um, the cost of tickets to 600 fans who travelled some 380 miles to watch their team lose 4-0. So they um, let them have their money back. So we'd like to apologise for the pitiful performance which they displayed. But that's a really dangerous precedent to set. Exactly. It's one that I wouldn't mind considering most of the teams I end up following. But I mean, Newcastle Jets would have liked that last season, wouldn't they? would have I've gone out of business. Yeah,
1: You yeah, can see someone going to Hartlepool or somewhere like that of 350 people in the dog and demand their money back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Paul? Uh,
2: well, my, I'm, I'm obsessed with the global financial crisis, as uh, anyone who knows me will, will attest to. And I've uh, read an interesting story from our uh, our colleague, uh, Matt Hall, who writes for the Sun-Herald. Yeah. He, he mentioned in one of his columns recently that... Um, uh, Nicky Butt is paying Michael Owen uh, petrol money right. uh, for giving him a lift to training, which I thought was uh, quite a Almost nice getting, thing to do. You know, pulling up at the the petrol yes. station and giving him the odd fiver. But uh, if you read into it a little bit further, it's uh, it's a helicopter lift to training. Michael Owen flies via <laughs> yes. helicopter from North Wales you know, pops into Nicky Butt's mansion and uh, picks him up and takes him to training. So, so way to get a he goes,
1: he goes from North Wales to Cheshire because Nicky Butt lives in Cheshire yeah. somewhere. And then he... And he
2: then on to Newcastle and then f- drops him off in the afternoon just in time to pick up the kids, probably. Does, you know. does
3: Michael Owen fly it as well? I don't That's no, a I great image. I don't think it? his legs <laughs>
4: would fit. <laughs> it, it's, it's funny that these, the pedals, these Newcastle players, wasn't Les Ferdinand flying his helicopter yeah, as Yeah, well? he had a pilot's yeah. license. Oh, well, maybe Les could do the ferrying for the players now. he's out of work, is
2: the, the, you wouldn't offer Mark Viducar a lift you wouldn't get off the ground would you
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're bad Paul you're bad you're bad um, the only thing I can add to it and I don't know whether you caught up with the story of um, you remember the uh, cup semi-finals at uh, Wembley um, and uh, the first semi-final, there was all this talk about the bad surface and the bad ground. Yeah. And Arsene Wenger went off. And then uh, Sir Alec, uh, when he came out the next day, said he picked his team because he had heard from Sir Alec that the ground was so bad. Um, the news is that they fired the groundsman. Wow. They fired uh, Walsh, was his name, and they just rid of him it's pretty hard to,
2: to you know it's pretty harsh didn't they have some kind of monster truck race on there and they, oh, they yeah. took all the turf up so mm-hmm. so they could uh, you know and like oh, concerts mm-hmm. Boyzone. it
1: like the, Andre the, the, there's
4: no light coming into the ground because of the way it's being yeah, built as it's well a microclimate well, isn't it they call it so mm-hmm. um, but yeah it's it's pretty tough alright half halftime
1: half time is over your oranges are finished fellas um, let's continue and, uh, an interesting uh, topic and I'm sure a lot of uh, listeners right around Australia would be interested. Which Australian players would be considered world-class? Is that a difficult question to answer?
3: Um, Yes. uh,
1: I suppose the first question, Trevor, if you're going to answer, do we have world-class players?
3: The first point I was going to make about what exactly does world class mean? I think you have to Correct, figure out yeah. what, what the criteria is the way I normally think about it is I imagine like you know a world class team like Manchester United or you know Barcelona or you know Brazil whoever it is, and then thinking which one of you know our players, which one of the Aussie players might make it into that team, and that kind of works slightly as a criteria for who we might consider world class right. but um, it'd be difficult'd be interesting to hear who everyone
1: lists. I, you oh, I see, you're not going to go first
3: Well, um, if I I don't want st- to uh, steal Paul's funding because I know he agrees with this, but you know, the one player I think I might put forward currently on current form or in the last 12 months would be Mark Schwartzer A lot of people oh, <laughs> A lot of people might try and say Tim Cahill, but for me I'm a massive Schwarzer fan and
2: um, Paul. Paul, do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, thanks for that. My extensive (laughs) notes are all out. Yeah. Um, He's done. I I, I would say the two names that that Trevor Mm. mentioned, you know, really Tim Cahill for what he he does for Everton on on an almost weekly basis, Uh, what he's done for Australia in the World Cup, you know, he's performed there and, and, you know, Mm. played like a legend. And, uh, and and yeah, looking at Mark Schwarzer, especially this season and, and consistently for Middlesbrough over the last few years, his performances for the Socceroos as well, been at such a high level. And I know for a man who, you know, saved the penalties that took us to a World Cup, you know, saved yeah. the penalty against China to win us points. Mm-hmm. He still flies under the radar, I think. He still doesn't get the respect he deserves. But um but I don't know whether that's you know enough. Is it you know people are going to be disappointed that we only have two world class players? Do you do you see anyone else, Aiden, or well, I currently?
4: Think Danny Invis- Invincible has a world class name, but I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's true. a world class player. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, I mean, I think Trevor's point about you know would an Australian pl- make it at Barcelona or Chelsea? I mean, I look when I think about world class players, I think about okay, who performed at the World Cup. Um, and I right. think when you look at the last World Cup, I think definitely Kale was the difference, certainly in the mm-hmm. first game. Um, and Schwarzer got us there to the World Cup. Um, so I, th- I agree with the, the with the lads that it's it's Schwarz and Kale for me. And I think at his peak, I think at his peak, Kuhl was was yeah. absolutely world class as well, a PFA Young Player of the Year. Um, that peak mm-hmm. wasn't a long time. I think I think he's even there, but I think at his peak, he was world class. Do you think the definition of world class is
2: also dependent on what? team you play for you were talking about you know players at yeah. their peak and during the world mm. cup lucas Neal played at a fantastic level in the world cup sure. he then went on in that transfer window and didn't go to west ham no offense to trev mm. but he went on to you know there was talk of barcelona and mm. there was talk of liverpool If mm. he had gone on to play for liverpool and he had played in the champions league and he continued playing at a good level you know, it's very dependent on where players play
4: as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that feeds into that point about Schwartz. I mean, Schwartz are playing at Borough, Fulham, not the most high-profile clubs. Mm. And I think, to a degree, that sort of kept him in the, out of the spotlight. Whereas, you've yeah, you've had Achilles and, and also Viduc as well. He played much bigger clubs, certainly Liverpool. I um, think
1: I think I think you're right in, in, in this sense that a lot of the times when you talk to the uh, footballers in the UK, they all want to play in London because they think you know the spotlight, the television cameras are going to be on them, and they think the England, English coach is going to be seeing them yeah. there. Whereas he, he won't go to Middlesbrough, or he won't go to to uh, West Bromwich Albion, up to the Midlands to see them. He will he will stay around that, London. That
4: happens in this country as well. That the whole Sydney Sydney centric national mm. team for many years was was a, a valid point a lot of players would go to Sydney rather than playing in Perth or Adelaide mm. Sydney was considered the London of yeah. Australia
1: who in the past who in the past in Australian football would have would have made it do you think got to go to well, a high that, level th-
4: that's a really interesting question because um You've got to remember that in the past, if you, if you go back to the, even the 1950s, we never had a system of development. We had never had an yep. AIS. We never had a development structure, a national football development plan. You're talking about regular blokes playing football, and I think when it comes to world class, perhaps that's too high a level to talk about some of these players. But international class, certainly, I think Joe Marston yep. can be considered that. He was uh, voted, I think, Preston's fourth best ever player. Yes, right. Um, yeah. This is a, a guy who was playing football part-time in this country as well. Um, And what he did was absolutely, uh, uh, you you know, it had never been done before. A a lad from Mm. Sydney takes a boat with his wife all the way to England and he stays there for a a good period of time. So I think going back historically, I think Joe Marston was the pioneer. Mm. And I think moving through to the 1970s, you've got to remember we made one World Cup. So it's very hard to say did we have any world class players but I think in that World Cup squad of the 1970s I think the captain Peter Wilson yeah. is probably viewed as one of the greatest ever leaders of, of the national yeah, team he was. And, and a terrific footballer is actually I think originally from Middlesbrough That's right. and uh, I think his contribution it's a very interesting story as well because he's pretty much a hermit these days down on the south coast um, and it's interesting because the south coast also basically produced Johnny Warren as well yeah. and I think Johnny at his peak was an international class midfielder um, in the 1970s Um, and that takes you kind of through to the 80s where the AIS started to kick in in 1982 we started to develop players and the Australian youth team had its first ever um, team in 1979 mm. and by the 80s I think Eddie krenchevich was probably our best international player along with Craig Johnston Johnson, yeah, when he was um, Eddie Liverpool. played for Australia Craig didn't in fact Craig yeah. played for England B um, interesting alongside Steve, M- Steve McMahon who ended up coaching Perth Glory some mm. years later mm. um, so Craig never made it to the national team but he made it to a European Cup final with Liverpool and an FA Cup final and in In many ways, he was the biggest star of Australian football.
1: Krankovic has some great stories to tell because I worked alongside him at uh, Fox Sports. We can't and tell some of those stories. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but let's just say, whoever writes his book, <laughs> yeah. I will be the first one to buy it. Buy it. Oh, ama- amazing great story. Man. Amazing great man. Great
4: player. He played for uh,
1: in Croatia as well and, and France as well and All right. Belgium. We, we, we'll take a break there and we'll come back and uh, discuss a uh, whole lot of other points in a moment. Love your football?
0: Catch World Football Watch every Saturday night on Sport 24-7. Hi, I'm Barry Hanson. We'll have all the latest team news, interviews with players and managers. Who will win the Premiership? Will it be
4: Manchester United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool? Or will Martin O'Neill turn it around at Aston Villa and challenge for the trophy? At the other end of the table are West Bromwich Albion doomed.
0: If so, who will join them? Middlesbrough, Newcastle United? Find out Saturday evenings. World Football Watch, every Saturday night from 10 Eastern Standard Time on Sport 24 7.
5: Don't miss the new issue of 442, Australia's number one. Football magazine. This month we chat exclusively with Mark Schwarzer, Australia's first choice keeper, about life at Fulham and why he's not taking World Cup qualification for granted. We go one on one with Socceroo's assistant coach Graham Arnold in a remarkably candid interview about where we came up short at the Asian Cup and the Olympics. And we ask overseas fans what they think of their Aussie players. Exclusive interviews with Kaka, R. and a look into Boca Juniors' youth system rounds off another issue no football fans should be without. On sale at all good news agents or head to au.442.com to subscribe and to get it delivered to your door. If it's in the game, it's in 442.
0: The latest on the world game on Sport
1: 24-7. This is 442 Insider. Okay, welcome back. We're coming down towards the uh, end of the uh, second half of the uh, show. and um, want to talk about the uh, the Premier League because we're at a very, very interesting stage in the Premier League. Not so much the top of the league because the battle, I think, will go right down to the wire. I don't know what you guys think. Manchester United and Liverpool. I don't think Chelsea are going to be in there and Arsenal. So we can forget about that. But look what's happening at the bottom of the Premier League. you got West Bromwich Albion. You've got Newcastle. Middlesbrough, Hull City and Sunderland, all down there. H- have you thought about that and who's going to go down and who, who, whose opinions uh, differ from each other around the table? I know well, Aidan doesn't want his <laughs> Sunderland team to go down. I do,
4: I do have to say, I mean, I'm born in Newcastle, but uh, you know, maybe it's a good thing for the club to go down. I, I mean that respectfully. Uh, maybe it's time for the club to really reinvent itself. For too many years it's been spending too much money Um, and not really achieving. I think maybe if they did go down and, and it's possible.
1: Um, That might not be such a bad thing for the club. Okay, so the the three games are Newcastle have to face Liverpool, then Middlesbrough and then Fulham. What do they have to do then with those three games?
4: Shearer's got to stamp his authority on how he wants this team to play. I still don't think he knows how he wants this team to play. Mm. I think it's going to take a lot of time. And I think, as I was saying before, I think maybe if he gets a chance to start next season, perhaps in the Championship, when he can really... He can really stamp his authority without the pressure of playing in the in the Premier League, and I think that might be a good thing. I don't know what you guys think. I
2: think was out of his league. I think I don't think it's fair to have asked him to do that kind of job. I know why he chose to do it—the uh, kind of messiah complex that they that they like to play yeah, on up there. there yeah. um, but I think it's very unfair to ask a coach with no experience uh, mm. to to come in with what six seven games left mm. and try and save them with the kind of pressure that there, there must be uh, I mean I know he's familiar with the players and uh, I, I think his relationship with Michael Owen doesn't help because I don't think Michael Owen is playing particularly well but um, I think he's the first name on the team sheet uh, and that will affect the way that the team plays. I think they need, you know, Martins and and, and maybe Viduca mm. up there just to batter people. Mm. They should have
3: goals in that team, shouldn't yeah. they? They're struggling yeah. to score. But he played all three, didn't he? Martins, Owen, and Viduka yeah up front in the last game, and they still failed to score. Mm. But I don't think it was quite the the right appointment, like you're saying. I think Blackburn went the right way when they appointed Sam Allardyce because mm. he knows the league and he's he's good at making below par teams, you know better than they, sh- than they should be and just scraping from the results when he was at uh, Bolton. I mean, West Ham yeah. went down one year because he, he just managed to sort of... I mean, Allardyce wouldn't
4: up. take over at Chelsea, but he's ideal at
1: Bolton.
0: Mm, like
4: yeah.
1: yeah. But yeah. Of, of the five teams that I have named, Sunderland, Newcastle, Hull, Middlesbrough and West Brom and Jalbian, West Brom definitely gone.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah no, you'd have to say. I mean, I, if gone. you
2: look at the table, mm. if, if one of... Newcastle and Middlesbrough win all their games yeah. and Wigan at 11th don't win another game It's even 11th could mm. go down mm. uh, at the moment so it's, it's going to come down to the last day I think it's going to be one of those crazy
0: uh, paste
2: editing jobs on the, on the Sunday where they jump back and forth uh, you know to yeah. goals going in and I think teams will be safe and then they won't be safe mm. um, I think Middlesbrough might be the wild card of the three in the bottom now who could get out well um, um, I think Hull they, might go down, Hull and freefall. Yeah, and there's always Hull. that
3: one team at the end of the season that gets sucked in. And I think Newcastle are going to get out of it. And yeah, Hull, Hull have
1: have Aston Villa this weekend, and then they have Stoke, and then they have Bolton, uh, Middlesbrough that you were mentioning, Paul. They play Man United this weekend, and then they have that uh, derby against uh, Newcastle, and then Aston Villa yes. before that they whole get down. That Hull Bolton game will be a scrap. Yeah, that's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that'll yeah. be a kicking match, won't it? definitely uh, yeah i would want to watch that yeah yeah it has to be see kicking, the highlights of the in. yeah it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting to see Paul I wanted to talk to you about the the, uh, the podcast that we have uh, with the Insider because um, it, it's uh, it's I suppose created a lot of uh, excitement and, and uh, a lot of attraction
2: yeah there's uh, absolutely no excuse not to be able to listen uh, to the podcast now there's so many ways of listening to it uh, we're hoping it will be more than just our parents and relatives uh, listening from now on who love it uh, uh, they do they uh, love it uh, mum uh, said that we're doing brilliant job Especially Trevor. Um, But you'll get um, a first listen to the show on uh, sport247.com.au, which is uh, first listen will be 5 p.m. on a Thursday drive time and also at 7 p.m. You can also listen to it at 6 a.m. on a Friday and then as part of the uh, Saturday Night Football Special, the cavalcade of football, it'll be on at 9 p.m. But um, where we've also made some changes is that you'll be able to listen to it on iTunes now and subscribe to it. So it'll actually... uh, download every time a new one comes up. So if you just keep an eye out for us on iTunes and subscribe to it, you'll be able to get it all the time and you can also listen to it live on our website. So absolutely no excuses. Um, we're we'll obviously uh, trying to build a good uh, uh, listenership if uh, that's uh, like a Re- read Re- tell or your friends yes. about Yeah, us tell about. your friends and then if we can get some posts in and people want to ask us some questions, we can obviously put that into uh, yeah, part something of the show to discuss then.
1: Well, yeah, they, they, look, there's always issues every day, every week. Uh, all of us who are involved in the in the world of football, there's there's everything to discuss That's every day. Right. And I, well, I've deleted my uh, iPod Lady Gaga tracks now for
4: the show, so <laughs> it, it, I that, recommend <laughs> everyone to do got, the same. You've
2: got space on your iPod. I now. do. Who is right. Lady That's Gaga? It, so. <laughs> who does <did> she
0: support? <laughs>
2: uh, you can't see it in the podcast, but um, Aidan dr- uh, models his dress sense after Lady oh, Gaga. Oh, He's yes. the male uh, version I of am. her. Oh, I so. see.
4: Perhaps we could. Develop a show around Lady Gaga. <laughs> but uh, I think it's also yeah. interesting just talking about the relegation scrap. We were just saying before, you know, you've got Australians involved as well, Viduca at Newcastle, Garcia at Hull as well, yeah. Brad
3: Jones and others. Um,
4: Brad Jones. So th- there's a lot of implications
1: for Australia as well with this relegation scrap. Yeah, I'll tell you a quick one before we, we uh, go because uh, the full time whistle is going to go. Uh, Garcia, um, he actually has been quoted in an English newspaper as saying in an interview that he had about coming back to Australia but uh, after hearing uh, Pim Verbeek he changed his mind and he's now keeping his young family I think he's got three or four uh, little girls in his family he's keeping them all in England God.
2: That, that's,
4: that's a big ask as well to want to stay in Hull rather, yeah, than, uh, yeah. rather than come back but to I think Pim when Beek talks to players listen yeah, and yeah. I think uh, you know that's it. we talked about Scott Chipperfield before. He's re-signed with Basel. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think a number of other players. The only player who's gone the other way is Jason Coleen and good on him for it.
1: Mm. Yeah, well, and he,
4: I don't think it will harm his
2: chances. Really, I think that they'll. Um, I think you know, if he's only got to keep his
4: eye on one player, then yeah, um, yeah, but exactly. he is very important. Mm-hmm. And, and that period yeah. after the A League between the World Cup and the end it's of the, the A League gap, isn't it? Yeah. Gap. I'm very Fight. worried about. He'll go that. off yeah. on loan though, won't he? Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah he'll so go back so he'll to he'll Holland on loan. Back yeah. Somewhere and they'll yeah. know him and exactly he'll somewhere.
1: Finally, before we go, Trevor, um, I know something near to your heart is going to take place this weekend Real Madrid against Barcelona. Yes, El Clásico, yeah. yeah what a uh, cracker!
3: I didn't know you knew Italian. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's getting to the uh, exciting part of the Spanish league, El Squeaky Bum time, yeah. as Alex Ferguson might say. There's five games remaining, and Barcelona have been absolutely incredible all season. They should, by all rights, have walked away. With it. I mean, they've got the 33 games, they've got 82 points and they've scored 94 goals. So they shouldn't really be, be, be worrying. Mm. Um, if you take it back to December, they beat um, uh, Real Madrid 2-0 at the Nou Camp to get a 12-point lead. And you just think they're going to coast to the title. Since then, um, Real Madrid, from those 19 weeks, 19 games, 18 wins, one wow. draw. So they're still in it. And they're the f- only four points behind Barcelona and they're at home um, Saturday night so I think it will be Sunday morning over here and that will yeah. be on ESPN as
1: well so definitely worth watching great game oh, yeah. great battle between those we talk about great um, derbies between Rangers in Celtic in Scotland Arsenal and Tottenham and uh, Chelsea West Ham in London but yeah. Barcelona mm. and uh, Real Madrid
4: and you, you can't beat the Getafe Recreativo creative matches as well I mean, <laughs> compared to oh, Barcelona yeah. I mean really that's that's one for me but
1: that's it yeah. from this week from uh, inside inside the 442 my thanks to uh, Paul to Trevor and to uh, Aiden. and the, we hope you enjoy the program and as uh, Paul said if you uh, enjoy the program you can write to us and uh, just get the magazine and you have all of the uh, email address and everything in there and if you want to abuse any of them go ahead abuse them from all of us goodbye